Mike Mulligan. Bears, 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 football, football, football. You know what? I'd like to say you're wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often. David Haw. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score. Bodies flying. Gibson has it. Left side three. Bullseye from NBA range. Umoja Gibson ends the drought with a huge three-point shot. Demons up 76-71 over Xavier. Five and a half minutes to go. Fadeaway jump shot. No good. Fight for the rebound. Nunji has it. Put back. Missed the bunny. Tap back. Goes down. Nunji gives Xavier the lead. And the Blue Demon season comes to a heartbreaking end in the quarterfinal round of the Big East Tournament. Here goes Pickett again. Back door, what a cut indeed. Lundy. What a pass. Jalen Pickett, back and down Melendez. Gets him to his spot. Yes, and the foul. And that'll do it. Penn State, might that be the one that gets him into the dance? Sure think so. 79-76, and the lower seed strikes again. The 10th seed in Nittany Lions down the seven-seated Illinois Fighting Illini. Start your mornings with Mully and Hawk, 5.30 till 10 a.m. Meow. On 670 The Score. Meow. <laughs> what the hell? Cats. Let's go. Mully and Hawk, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Go Cats! Oh, That's yeah. what you tried to say, right, Dustin? Go Cats. It yes. comes across as meow. Happy Friday, Mully. We made it. Oh, my God. We made it. I got to tell you. TGIF. Uh, loved watching college basketball yesterday. I also got to watch a uh, Europa League game that really uh, it, it healed, helped heal my heart. A That's good to bit, hear. A little bit. A little bit? Well, I'm, so you broke I'm never going to come back from it. From, uh, I, I from had, college basketball briefly to watch soccer. Yes. Okay. I broke away briefly to watch hockey. Did you really? Yes, I did. Wow. Rangers and uh, the Canadiens. Kaner got his first points as a Ranger. I know that you're happy. They won 4-3. to three. So your your soccer outcome was uh, a positive United one? United won 4-1. to And they had lost 7 nothing on the weekend. This is a different uh, tournament. But I, uh, you know, what's funny is I, I, so I had it on the Spanish station. Because, you know, a lot of times you, you got to do that. But I turned off the sound, and then I listened to the uh, the radio broadcast that I get on my United app, and uh, it was great. It was, like, really fun. I just synced up the TV like you do at a Bears game, and uh, Excellent. it was great. Really it worked out well. It. Yeah, I think most people's attention, March Madness, and it delivered yesterday in, in a lot of different ways. We'll get to your Tar Heels in a moment. I actually wanted to have a couple drinks. That's how much fun I was having. Because of the soccer or because of the basketball? Or uh, both? Everything. Everything? It was, it was one of those yeah. days. It reminded me of, like, the NCAA tournament where you're you're it, watching game after game and there's stuff going on. That's the idea. That's that, the I idea. I got to tell you, the conference championship week is delivering. I think the weekend is really going to You know, funny, it. I've had the same thought, but I, I wanted to be – uh, sharp this morning, so I, I avoided oh, that I, temptation. No, I didn't either. But it I'm was just there. Saying. Look, you had yeah. you had basketball in the afternoon and the Big Ten tournament. The first five games, every lower seed won. Every every game was an upset, and every game leading to last night, which is a little. You know, and Maryland won. Last Maryland night. won, so that was, ended. That, that's fine. Right? But I was distracted, like a lot of people in Chicago. At the same time, I was watching 
Illinois and Penn State on my television with the sound down. Yes. I was listening to DePaul and Xavier because Zach was calling that game at Madison Square Garden. And DePaul, for a while, that was close until the final couple minutes. And then Xavier prevails, but it was a great game. And DePaul bows out. How they were staying in that game, a 22-loss team, on the verge of having their second straight upset, that's what March is all about. I was watching three games at once, okay, because I didn't feel like I had time yeah. to double back and watch games. So I was I was kind of watching the Illinois game. I, that was kind of the lead game I was watching. But as you know, I was very interested in a North Carolina-Virginia game. And, you know, wahoo wah, it was fun to watch Virginia play defense. They play great defense. They always Even do. when they're not scoring. That guy. They always do. He, it is really fun. So I enjoyed that. And then I have the DePaul game. So, like, they were all staggered a little bit. So I could, during halftime, watch one. And then what would happen is I would get totally into one of the games. And then, I, you know, They'd have a break, and I'd go to another one, and then I'd have a hard time turning that one off. Well, that's how good they were. It was and really the drama fun. was, it was, was really intense. Yeah. At halftime of the DePaul game, it was after one of their runs put them in a really good spot they didn't expect to be, or many people didn't. I get a text from Zach, who's at Madison Square yeah. Garden, calling the game right here on the score, and he's like, th- he, it was one of those, uh, this is unreal. <laughs> this is unreal. They, and they played very well. They did. And they were leading that game all the way till they were no longer leading that game. And they made some mistakes down the stretch. They had a lead, and then Xavier came back. Xavier, certainly the more experienced team, the more talented team, and DePaul just couldn't hold on. But we talked yesterday about they had their moment, the, the defining moment of their season the night before, and it's like they just ran out of gas. And so – Their season ends, and our focus shifts today at the United Center. Northwestern plays Penn State. That's the game of the most local interest, I think we'd agree. I'm glad it's not Northwestern Illinois from the Northwestern perspective. Um, Because you think Illinois would fill the building. I think Illinois would have taken away any home court advantage, any home field atmosphere that Northwestern will enjoy today. And frankly, to be honest here, and we don't have a ton of rooting interest here, but respect Brad Underwood. I'm so tired of watching Illinois basketball. That team, for a coach who is that good, they drive me crazy. I can't imagine being an Illini fan. And I know a few of them who are driven just as crazy as I sound right now. But they take threes that you just don't understand. They have bad possessions. They have defensive lapses. For a team as talented as they are, and a coach as good as he is, it's hard to see that I on wonder, a regular basis. I, I wonder if that is the fact that there are three leading scorers were guys that transferred in. And I wonder how difficult it is. And I think he's done a masterful job because a lot of teams that have had to go that route have failed miserably. You know, we mentioned Georgetown went that route. They fired the coach yesterday. Wow. Right? Patrick Ewing, yeah. a legend there, uh, n- not anymore. Uh whatever, five years, one trip to the to the NCAA tournament. Um, I think that Brad Underwood has done a really good job given the amount of players coming in. I, but to me, that game, that was one of the strangest games because they were battling, battling, and then they start scoring 
down low. They start driving to the bucket. They start scoring on every possession. And it's like, wow, you know, they've really taken over this game. And then the, the is it danger? The kid uh the kid gets a bucket and he sell it's a three-point play and he celebrates, he shuts his eyes, and he's stomping and celebrating, and he headbutts the defender. Yeah. And then they go and look at it. So he gets his free throw. Then they get two free throws on the other end <laughs> and possession. They miss a three. But from that point on, it was like, and it happens in college sports, the momentum shifted, and all that Illinois, all the good work they were doing at the basket, all of a sudden, it's going the other way on them, and Penn State is scoring and scoring, and Illinois now is taking your three-point shots. I know. And they, and I, it's almost like the game deteriorated to a point where they, they needed to jack up another three. They were they were dominating down low they had until it, that play. And then they lost it. And I think that I don't want to sound like you watch every single Illinois game, but if there was a game in the Big Ten tournament and Illinois is playing Penn State, I did not think I'd come out of it thinking that Penn State was the better coach team and that's part of why and the more disciplined team and that's why they won. Right. It's and, true. and that's that's the takeaway from that game and that loss. So I understand I think you're just so used to last year with Illinois. And for the last several years, since Brad Underwood arrived, they were going to play good defense. They were going to take the ball, and they were going to work through uh, Kofi for three years. Yes. And they had Iowa before that, and they were really fun to watch. And not to take anything away from their season. They have 20 victories, and they're, yes. they're likely to be in the tournament. They'll but they're the- hard to watch because of their lack of consistency. Yeah, that, that I mean, it was a weird game. It was a weird game. I, I thought, you know, watching that DePaul game, they show the, you know, the Xavier coach telling his team with whatever it was, five minutes left, the team that it, the team that plays well from here out is going to win this best game. Team. The, the best, best team. team on the floor is going to win and this they, game. And they won the game. Sean they, Miller was right. He That was a great moment I, I for him that. as a coach that they showed it and then it happened. Great recruiting tool. But, you know, early in the game they did show Tony Stubblefield talking to his team and it was still – it was very effective. I love those shots and they get inside the, yes. the group timeout. Yes. But Sean Miller had a good moment there because they were down the entire game. They were down 13 points and then they caught back up. They were within one possession and he told his guys, yeah. if you're the best team, you're going to win this game. And you could see them kind of nodding their heads, yes. And he had that sense if you're watching from the DePaul perspective, like, uh-oh, oh, yeah. here we go. I wanted to text it, Zach and said, get ready for the comeback. This is about oh, the end. I mean, it was unbelievable. And it was exactly the way that he said it. And I'll tell you what, felt really bad for DePaul. And the North Carolina team I was watching, they lost. And I was watching Michigan. My wife went to Michigan. And David's beloved Rutgers got through. So at Rutgers is actually – a significantly better matchup for um, Purdue. That that's the team that you know. We, no we, doubt, we give a lot of credit to teams that can beat Purdue. But Rutgers was really the first team to kind of expose their young guards and change the way you look at Purdue. And it'll be really a good game. That you know, I got to tell you, for all the talk about every, it's wide open and everybody can win and all that. There's, these games are fantastic. They Every are. game's coming down to the wire. Did you see Marquette? That was another one that was unbelievable. 
They went into overtime. They went into overtime. And survived. And Incredible. so now they – Survive in advance. They survive in advance. That's what March is all about. I think you're seeing this throughout college basketball. Uh, it's also related to the point you made about Illinois. Brad Underwood struggling to maybe – not struggling, might be overstating it, but it's a challenge to bring all these transfers together and have them peak at the right time. And I think what you see across the country is that in the age of the NIL, the transfer portal, you, this is uh, – the challenge every coach faces, incorporating new guys into the mix, and you, you, it's less predictable. More entertaining, maybe. There's more drama. There's certainly uh, the suspenses in every conference tournament across the country. Look at North Carolina as a great example. They thought they got better by going into the portal, adding some guys. Wow. And they have been as disappointing as any team has been in, in recent memory. Yeah, I, they said on the Michigan game on that broadcast that Michigan has been to five straight Sweet 16s. That's absolutely incredible, and now they're not going to make the tournament. Yeah, North I, Carolina. I, you don't is, make the tournament with 15 losses. Well, I'm just and yeah. I and I'm saying North Carolina is not going to make it, and that's another team that that you know if they get in, they could be a Sweet 16 team. See, I think that's good for the game. I think that's good for the sport, even though. I understand that there's a familiarity that when you fill out your brackets, you see a lot of familiar programs, yep. but you can't assume anything anymore in college basketball, and that's sort of the takeaway from a crazy season. And the Big Ten tournament has delivered on that promise of unpredictability because, as we said, the first five games were won by the lower seed. That's good stuff. Yeah, we have a texter checking and saying, I was listening to the Paul game on the score last night. Zach is an electric basketball announcer, really paints the picture, reminds me of the late Jim Durham. Wow. Very, very uh, appropriate and uh, kind remarks. That's that's high praise. And I know he's our friend, and I know yep. that we, we have viewed him in different ways. You know, he's, he's a guy that was on the sidelines for all those years with the Bears. He does the Cubs pre and post in the fifth inning. But he is a tremendous play-by-play basketball announcer. And he, he does bring it. He's got that emotion. He's got the description. And uh, he's really come into his own there. It's fun to listen to him. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. The, the, there's a lot of good stuff going on. We've got a good weekend of college basketball coming up. and we got Selection Sunday coming up. And, uh, you know, a lot of those decisions will already be made by the time you get to Selection Sunday. But that is still – Fascinating stuff. The the NFL is king. The NFL is king. Never sleeps. And uh, the Bears Fo- on the clock, obviously. But still uh, on the clock. Football never sleeps. Pick. Picked the, up another pick. This is did. it. Turns turns the conversation. Everything changes. They got that two hundred fifty eighth selection. <laughs> and it is funny to get a compensatory pick in the seventh round, and you kind of shrug. You're like, what? Why bother? What difference does it make? And then I'm reminded that. Brock Purdy was number 262 last year. Right. 262. Right. So they are getting to pick somebody who will go four spots before Mr. Irrelevant went last year, who suddenly became quite a factor in the playoffs. Mr. Relevant. Mr. Relevant, indeed. And today I think he has his surgery. Is that correct? Yeah, he has his surgery, and then he's – What are they going to do? They're going to try to fix his shoulder. <laughs> okay, I deserve that. I'm I deserve kidding. that. I deserve that. No, the surgeons, what, what are they going well, to because do? Because I think I ask this because John Lynch, he thinks big. Yes. And he is not afraid of anything. He's a very ambitious GM. Mm-hmm. I wonder if in the back of his mind or maybe closer to the front, how closely he is monitoring this Lamar Jackson situation. Because the, the possibility 
of the 49ers getting involved in that conversation and the and the the idea of Kyle Shanahan designing an offense led by Lamar Jackson that includes Debo Samuel and also with Christian McCaffrey. Oh yeah, George Kittle. Oh my gosh. Okay, that team is probably can we can we agree they might have the best talent in the league and they're a quarterback away as everyone always says. Do we agree that they have that kind of talent? So yesterday the NFL handed out 37 compensatory picks. We mentioned the Bears getting the 36th of those 37. Well, the they they start with third rounders. So the San Francisco 49ers picked up an additional seven draft picks yesterday. Seven draft picks. And three of them are third-round picks. It's That is extraordinary to me. The formula by which you give out compensatory picks includes the, um, the hiring of minority coaches and minority members of the front office. So if you are bringing in and sort of developing your coaching staff to a point where people are – are grabbing at it, then you get rewarded. If they're minority coaches and GMs, you get rewarded with compensatory picks. So along with the number of players you lose in free agency and the players you bring back, along with that, you also are rewarding teams that are trying to develop, help develop minority coaching and GM candidates. They wound up with seven extra draft picks. Yeah, that's it's like crazy. A, that's a draft. It's crazy. It, that's a draft. It's a draft, and it puts them in a position to where I, I really think that they could justify. I know their future first-round draft picks, and you have to look down the road a lot. It has to be creative. And there are there are scenarios out there that have been written about and how they could put themselves in a, in a spot to give up what it would take to trade for Lamar Jackson. Long shot, but – don't you think they're talking about it in San Francisco? Maybe in some part because of the all the picks they have gotten and received and compensatory picks, they have some draft capital to play around with. Don't you think they have to consider that I, I of think, all the teams? I think they've got two quarterbacks. Well, they had three quarterbacks last year. They, they've already announced that Garoppolo is gone, and he's he is on his way out. He may end up in Tampa. We don't know. We'll find out, but he's a free agent. You know, Trey Lance is coming off, I believe it was two ankle surgeries, right? He needed a second procedure. Wow, that sounds familiar. And we'll see if he ever can can live up to his third overall selection in the draft. Um, we, we don't know what Brock Purdy's future is. You mentioned that he's undergoing surgery today. Um, it, you know, how long does it take to come back from that shoulder surgery, and how does he respond to it? So – at this point, they don't have a quarterback to go to training camp with. Well, so I, whatever they, the price is, and I don't know what their cap situation is. I don't know if they work can it out, come up with them, figure it out. Well, they can't for they, you. Could always find a way when you have that roster and and you have a general manager willing to be creative and make a mistake. And and I don't think you can trade compensatory picks, but that but every other pick you have is well. That, that's because, that's the point. You, yeah, exactly. You can't trade compensatory picks, but it yeah. gives you the leverage and protects you from trading the ones you do have, the ones you have left. And I, so I, I found it very interesting when Tim Kawakami from The Athletic yesterday covers the 49ers as well as anybody out there reported that 
they're looking at everything, quote, looking at everything when mm-hmm. it comes to their quarterback position, and that includes a potential deal for Lamar Jackson. That, to me, would be as significant. Th- that would shift everything toward the 49ers, and, and that would be the most impactful move that Lamar Jackson could make in terms of joining a new team. He'll change whatever team he joins. But you talk about the, I, Lamar Jackson joining the 49ers would put the 49ers in a better position to win a championship than Aaron Rodgers joining the Jets. Wow. I really believe that. Yeah. So that, to me, is the most interesting thing to follow where Lamar Jackson ends up, what teams get involved. And you know this weekend's going to be a big one. Don't don't rest on the NFL if you were tempted to get ready for free agency. All these teams have got to do these things before the league year starts on Monday. And and it's interesting because um, I saw a headline in New York, and I apologize to whatever paper that it was. There's a bunch there, probably the Post, because I was reading the Post. But um, the headline said, Aaron Rodgers is Jets to lose. And I thought, wow, like that's a really good way of looking at that. They've negotiated with him. They've convinced him to come. Now they just got to get him. Now they just have to cut a deal with uh, with the Green Bay Packers, figure out the money, and get the guy. That that's that's all. I mean, that's a lot. But the bottom line is they've done the heavy lifting, and he's apparently theirs to lose. They've had they've done everything they can. The thing about again being as public and open as they have been, and I, I don't know how you would hide, would hide something like this. Right. But let's face it, now the expectation level is up there. If they don't get Aaron Rodgers, they're going to get just crucified in New York. And the fan base is going to be deflated. Because you have built this up to the idea that you're getting Aaron Rodgers, he's going to put you over the top and put you in contention. And you've got teams, and you've got analysts. Even Dave Wanstead, our guy, was on Football Night in Chicago last night saying if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, they would challenge and maybe be better than the Bills in that division. I don't cool. know that I believe that, but that's that's the company they keep now. Is he the best quarterback in that division if he goes there? Depends on what you're looking for. 2023 or the next three years? No, even even next year, I don't know. Than Josh Allen? Who would you rather have next year, Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers? That's a good question, but I, I you know, Aaron Rodgers I, I, doesn't do a lot of winning in the playoffs. He's, he's had his bad moments, too, I, of I, late. I think I would trust almost Josh Allen at this stage of their respective careers. But Tua, you have no information oh, on. You don't no. know. The, in fact, the rumor is Tom's still 100%. interested. Yeah, there you go. Um, that's kind of interesting. Um, uh, who else would – who else – In that division? Scary? I'm just saying no. there's no one else. Well, it, New England's going to be tough, but you, Allen, from Mac a quarterback – Is Mac Jones even there? Well, if is he's – Are they getting They're, they're not going to trade him. I, I really going. don't think they're going to trade him, unless they're going to make room for Lamar Jackson. See, I think Lamar Jackson, where he goes is – is I, we're fixated on Aaron Rodgers for obvious reasons. Yeah. But to me, one of the bigger stories, I think Lamar Jackson – could impact the team next year as much, if not more, than Aaron Rodgers could. I, I wonder if a team, you know, if you want Aaron Rodgers, uh, you've got to trade for him. If you want Lamar, you're giving up two number one draft picks, which you accept that idea if you get Lamar Jackson. But you're also trying to build a contract so that you're not signing him for a year. And if Baltimore likes that deal, they can match it and keep him. And they have the thinking is that Baltimore, in part, has not been able to break through with Lamar to a point where they can get a contract with him. So if you were going to 
give him a contract, you'd have to front load it like crazy. Yes. And it, give him tons of money up front. As they say, the poison pill. That's You'd have to include to that. that. And yeah. that also requires some savvy in structuring the deal, but in communicating that to your cl- to the player, typically through the agent. But when you don't have an agent, it complicates uh, the situation, makes it a lot more convoluted than necessary. So you don't know where that one is headed, but you're exactly right. The, the Ravens would have the opportunity to match it, but they would be unlikely to, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Because they've moved on. When you're making these kind of decisions and structuring the franchise tag as much as, it, as they did, you have announced you're ready to move on from this guy for whatever reason. It seems like it's gotten personal. I don't think this is the best interest of the Ravens long term, but they, must, they, know, they know stuff and that relationship must have been impaired or, or soured to the point where maybe they can't repair it. It'll be fascinating. All right, we've got all the stories of the day, all the stories of the weekend, everything you want to be picked apart. We will gnaw at it next hmm. in the Pick 6, Mully and Haw on the score. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now. By the time we get back here Monday morning, 530, NFL teams will have had five and a half hours to legally negotiate with free agents. Do you think the Bears will have an agreement with anybody by that time on Monday's first segment is over? Any guesses who it might be? And if you're Ryan Poles, are you sleeping in your car outside Orlando Brown Jr.'s house or the nearest Holiday Inn Express? <laughs> uh, I think he could afford better than that. Maybe. I think they might put him up in a nice Marriott property that's nearby. Um Look, I, I, what I would do, I would definitely begin the conversation and try to figure out how to, uh, how to get uh, somebody in here. I know there's a lot of uh, talk about McGlinchey, and that's fine. You know, get get somebody. I would, I would personally prefer Orlando Brown Jr. because he plays left tackle, and I think that's a very important position. Um, I, 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 I am not with everyone else thinking that the left tackle has, has been solved and you don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, not against the guy. I just, I don't want to spend a, a game plan, you know, making sure oh, you did sign Kyrie Blassen game, right? Okay, good. Then we can play this guy left. I, I just don't know that I, I want to have an offensive line where you're protecting one guy over other guys, get someone who doesn't need protection and get as many of them as you can. So I, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe you know, that's the guy they drafted. Maybe I'm not giving enough credit to that. He could always move to the right side, but I would go after Orlando Brown Jr. and I would, I would make sure that uh, that I was waiting for him and I had it arranged and all the rest of it. And and if not, I'd have a couple other guys ready to go. I mean, they should be. They got the most money. They should be on the horn already, and they should have this done. Is it legal to be on the horn already? No. When no? does it? When's the legal thing start? It's midnight on Sunday. Yeah. Midnight so Sunday. We, yeah. when we come That's, in here, they will have had the five and a half hours to, to negotiate. Talk. But yeah. let's face it, that went on at the combine. Probably. With agents. Yeah. Probably correct. In David. Probably correct. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it, you know what? It's it's a fun time. It, it, it's super exciting. It, you've got this big roll of cash to start peeling off hundred dollar bills and putting them down in front of players. I just want the Bears 
to spend it wisely. I don't want it all going to Orlando Brown. I want them to know that he's wanted, um, but I also don't want them to be like, oh my gosh, you're the savior and we'll do whatever we can to get you to protect the uh, either side of uh, our franchise quarterback. I, I don't want that either. So spend, but spend wisely. I thought you wanted them to do the whole Julius Peppers approach and kind of be out there at midnight and knock on the door and Make your presence no, felt. not for Orlando Brown Jr. No. Why? Because I just, you, you're so set at left tackle with a fifth-round draft pick that had a decent rookie year? I, di- I didn't say that. I also believe that there are, some, there are some issues. There are some motivational issues. I believe he's not as athletic as they would like. But that's the thing. You know, now there's a lot of Mike McGlinchey buzz, right, going on supposedly out there. He's not athletic either. You know, as Wanstead said, he's a giant of a man. That's not a bad thing at all, but it's not what you're looking for for what the Bears do. Well, either one. Okay, so here we are. He's a lot less athletic than Brown. He's definitely that. He probably would be less expensive as well. And he's a right tackle, no questions asked. He's a right tackle. Orlando Brown is a left tackle. You have Braxton Jones, who I don't think should influence your thinking in which tackle to go after. Maybe you strike the best deal. But you have to entertain the possibility of signing either. I don't think it would be both. Mike McGlinchey is a fine addition at right tackle. I don't think that he would be uh, certainly a player with the ceiling that Orlando Brown Jr. would have and hasn't had the career that Orlando Brown Jr. would have. So to me, that's priority one. If you want to talk about one guy you want to fixate on in the early hours of the, the legal tampering period, he's the guy. No questions asked, Dustin. I mean – you can over you could talk yourself in and out of anything. And I think that we have done that here. And and I think a lot of the people are finding reasons not to go after a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle. What are you what are you watching? Is that their biggest what? need? Yes. Is it? In free agency because of the availability of the players at the key positions. Now, if there were Pro Bowl caliber defensive tackles available, I would change my mind, and I would have a different answer. Yeah, but now that the best defensive tackle in the draft has a a, a muddy no, off-the-field no, issue, Dustin, does that, that change that's things? Way you, that's flawed logic. Okay. Here's the thing. Uh, the available pool of, of free agents gives you options at tackle. There's a very strong class of tackles in free agency, probably deeper than the defensive tackles. If it were the other way around, I'd have a different answer to it, but it isn't. So, wherever you want to go, Holiday and Express to save George some money, or the four seasons, I don't care. Go make an offer to Orlando Brown Jr. Start there, and if you can't get him, get Mike McGlinchey. What kind of question is that? It's too logical. What do you make of growing optimism by the New York Jets that they will land Aaron Rodgers as their next quarterback? They still have to get Rodgers' approval, cut a deal with the Packers, figure out a salary cap, and then are you confident this is going to happen? Is Lamar Jackson watching and waiting? My sense is, yes, Lamar Jackson is watching and waiting. I think you could make a football argument that the Jets would be wiser to abandon this uh, pursuit of Aaron Rodgers and go get Lamar Jackson. I don't think they're going to. That's not realistic. They're all in on, on Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers somehow doesn't want to finish and consummate the deal, if something falls through at the 11th hour, they have options in Lamar Jackson. But it does sound like they're very confident. It does sound like Woody Johnson wants to get this done, and it sounds like Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, is he speaking at a psychedelic conference this weekend in Denver? I think he is. Wasn't that the headline I saw? 
You are correct. Okay. How did that come up during the interview? Can you imagine broaching that? Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Maybe we can talk. No, no, I'm busy. I'm talking at a psychedelic conference. Okay. That's what Ayahuasca did for me. Who brought the trainer? Did anybody bring the trainer? We want to talk to Aaron about this. Okay. Football-wise, this would definitely change their offseason, and in their minds make them a Super Bowl contender. But I still – I'll stand by this. I say it today on Friday, March 10th. If the 49ers or a team that's on the verge – of being a Super Bowl contender adds Lamar Jackson and he stays healthy, he potentially will have a bigger impact on his team than Aaron Rodgers will on the Jets. Whatever needs to be done to get Aaron Rodgers the hell out of the NFC North, make it happen. It's really that simple to me. I don't care if it's the Jets. I don't care if it's the Raiders. I don't care if it's the 49ers. I don't care what it is. Get him the hell out of the NFC North so that Ryan Poles can take it and never give it back. Get out! <laughs> yeah, no, you know that, Dustin, you must be looking at my notes because that's exactly my thought. That is it. I just don't want to see the guy in Green Bay. So if it's the Jets, great. If somebody else steps up, great. If he decides to retire to a life of psychedelics, that would be <laughs> fantastic. I would be delighted for him. So I got I got no problem whatsoever provided Rodgers no longer in Green Bay. We want that guy to retire. You want that guy to go to the Jets, go, you know, continue your life journey, wander through the jungle, whatever it is. Just get him the hell out of the Bears viewpoint twice you, a year. Are you surprised that we haven't heard any reports of things that didn't go well during that meeting that it seems positive. Wait, he's not saying anything, so we have no idea how that meeting went. You know, oh, my God, we talked to him. We told him how great we are. We told him he should come to New York. We're really – I think he's coming. I, I'm not saying that's not the case, but <laughs> what, what if they came back like, oh, my God, the guy's well, drug, drugged know, out of his head. Thought, he really had no idea who we were. If, if he, they, kept, he kept wandering and talking you, about various – You would understand if they came out of that meeting a little bit like, do you believe that guy? Did you hear what he said? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's an interesting question. What is your biggest takeaway from yesterday's college basketball results? Do you delight in Mr. David's beloved Rutgers advancing? Thoughts on Illinois, DePaul, North Carolina? What game are you most looking forward to this weekend? Um, I, uh, I did not enjoy watching David's beloved Rutgers advance. <laughs> Um, you know, three of the teams that I was watching, they all lost. I, am I the, uh, am, you know, the guy that wanted Illinois to Paul in North Carolina to win, did I damn them all with, uh, with my uh, it's you. interest? It felt like it was me. You know, it was one of those days where it felt like, boy, am I on the wrong horse it, here? It's not me. It's you. Yeah, exactly. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> no, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> totally me. It really is. Uh, yeah. So... I think that I am looking forward to a ton of games this weekend. I want to see these championship games. I want to see how good these teams are, and I want to see how I'm going to line up my bracket and uh, if it's going to confirm things that I believe or if it's going to – I still haven't seen the team that I'm picking for my NCAA tournament. So I will use this time, and it's a wonderful time in our lives, to watch a ton of basketball. You know, the other thing is, like, I, I want to watch, I think at 10 o'clock this morning, is the uh, the quarterfinals down in Champaign, right? Or the, the semifinals in Champaign. 
I kind of want to watch the high school basketball. IHSA championships. I've always enjoyed that. And I saw yesterday that it's on Channel 20. Um, I don't even know, 2028 20, or something, which is IHSA basketball channel. It's not You can't get it in HD, but I'm recording all the games because I'm very curious. I want to see how these guys all look and all that. I love the game of basketball, and I will watch any championship game, and I will use that information to help me make my choice. Yeah, Downers Grove North, a uh, West Suburban Silver team making it downstate, playing for a championship for what the first time. What time do they play? Um, I'm not sure on the time, but okay. I, I will also be looking in on Ignatius that game. Ignatius against um, – Simeon, right? It, it like uh, that's a big one at ten o'clock this morning. I think. Yep, that's Kendall's son is on that Kendall's team. Kendall's son is on, son's that, on team. that team, mm-hmm. and Loyola's, team. Loyola's big recruit on Simeon. Mm, good matchup. Well, thanks to Penn State, they ruined my Friday of uh, college basketball because I yeah. wanted Illinois Northwestern. I wanted that game. I think I think that would that would I think Chicago wanted that game. I think that would be a good game for the Big Ten tournament. Would you have gone? I don't have the means, but yeah, I mean, I have the means to sit on my couch and watch it, so I can do I can do that at least for the moment. Um, so instead, it's hard to look pat like Saturday and Sunday's games. It's hard to it's right. too much bracketology. Right. But for today, for tonight, if you will, because these are going to be. So here's my here's my today. I'm going to watch and listen to the Cubs Sox because I love that rivalry. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. fun, and it's going to be probably beautiful in Arizona while it's kind of miserable out here. Um, Six thirty tonight. UConn Marquette, I'm interested in that game. And then closely following, I've heard a lot of talk about Miami, and Duke is playing unbelievable basketball right now. I mean, when you're putting up 90s, when you're scoring in the 90s, yeah. that, that's high octane. That, that will carry you pretty far. So I'm curious about that game as well. I'm interested in UConn Marquette, and I'm interested in Duke, Miami, and, and shame on Penn State for coming in here and ruin, ruining the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, you know what, though? I am on Team Cats right now, so go Cats. I like what Chris Collins has done. I like their backcourt. They are the best story in the Big Ten right now. Apologies to Matt Painter. I know he's going to use that as fuel, but the fact that Illinois got ousted, okay with me because I think it maybe does give Northwestern a little bit of a, I don't want to say an advantage in the home court, but certainly the atmosphere will be more conducive to the Wildcats than it will be to the Nittany Lions. So they're giving away free tickets to students at Northwestern. Chris Collins brings a team in. A lot of momentum. I am looking forward to that one tonight at 530 with or without the Illini. Not going to ruin my Big Ten viewing experience. And my guys, the Rutgers, I'll adopt the Rutgers. That's fine. I don't think they're going to uh, be able to do anything today beyond what they have already done. But I think they might have played their way into the tournament. Um, They played Purdue in the first game out there later this morning. I like what Steve Peichel, the coach, did. And uh, do you see he had a, a rant about phones, iPhones to his team, about how they're just distractions, and he smashed his own to make a point? I like that. I like when you hear that stuff. I'm curious, outside of the Big Ten, Kansas, without Bill Self, who had a procedure done, and uh, well wishes to Kansas because of the the heart condition that he's now dealing with, going to be out of the Big 12 tournament. But mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how that affects Kansas and, and the Jayhawks moving forward. Don't ask me about that. How snakebit must the Phoenix Suns feel towards Kevin Durant, and he could now be missing the next couple of weeks, a grade two ankle sprain during warm-ups for what should have been his home debut? Well, they have to feel pretty snakebit. They they make a trade. They get the home crowd ready. He's out there warming up, and then he falls. 
And did you see how he fell? It was oh, just it was awful. Ty- yeah. Typical pregame individual just drill. Like, boom. Tripped over his own feet, it looked Down like. goes Durant. Yeah. I, it was a clumsy move for a guy so graceful. Yep. And yep. so he has had his share of injuries lately. He is 35, so you don't shouldn't be terribly surprised. But let's face it, if you're the Suns, this is difficult to take after just trading for the guy and having built up that kind of excitement and anticipation. But you didn't get him for March. This isn't March Madness NBA style. You didn't get him for this. You got him for June. You got him for uh, the playoffs and to get you over the top. And so if you have to wait another two weeks, so be it. It's not like you have a, a roster full of guys or a lineup that needs him. He's a luxury. And he does put you over the top if you're the Suns. And I think they are the team to beat in the West. But whenever he gets there, you want him to be healthy and you want him to stick around. So if it takes two weeks, it takes two weeks. The regular season ends basically a month from today. And you're right, David. They don't they don't need him till then. It doesn't the seeding won't really matter that they're gonna be in the postseason no matter what. But this is just so typical Kevin Durant. I mean, the guy has missed just so many games. I mean, Sharman is tougher than Kevin Durant. Uh you can defend Sharma a hell of a lot easier in the playoffs than Kevin Durant, my friend. Uh, I got to tell you, he's going to miss basically the rest of the season. He's going to miss a minimum of three weeks, they're saying. So that takes him out of the equation, but he comes back for the playoffs. And, it, and the Western Conference is interesting because I think they believed they were going to be able to get like a top seed. I don't think it matters. I think Durant, with his size – is just extraordinary and a great player, and he'll fit in anywhere he goes. He probably fits in better than any superstar player you can think of. Um, just a great, a great basketball player, and I think it's a pity. I feel bad about it. I, you know, it's weird to have all these teams that made these deals, and you know, now Luca's hurt. It just seems like it. it there's just sort of this snake bit thing going on with all the great trade teams or, you know, the the um, Lakers are ready to make a run and down goes LeBron. And they've done pretty well without him, don't get me wrong, but uh, Anthony Davis has played. Uh, it, it is a pity, but I don't think it impacts them in terms of pursuing a championship. That is, it's championship or bust when you make a move like that, and, uh, and I think he'll be back to help them to that end. Ah... Uh, I, this is a really difficult question. Feels like it was just today that Carlos Rodon was talking about how the White Sox lack of belief in him has fueled his career, and now it seems his forearm strain will impact the start of his Yankees debut. Do you feel worse for Rodon or the Yankees who awarded him a six-year, $162 million deal? Rodon will be shut down for a week to 10 days and open the season on the injured list. Yeah, you know, we talked to John Heyman about that uh, pretty bad debut that he had, and it turns out that he played through a forearm issue at the end of last season, and now it's kind of uh, barking again, so they're shutting him down. He's not going to touch a baseball for 7 to 10 days, and then he's going to try to work his way back into their rotation. Um, you know, I, I love Carlos Rodon. I got a lot of time for him. You know, it, it's interesting. We've talked about it many times about how he was non-tendered and then they reached an agreement with him at a very modest price and he came back and he was fantastic. And, you know, when they couldn't come up with another deal for him 
and he went to San Francisco, I thought, well, they know something that we don't know. They they know that he's an injury waiting to happen. They know there's something there. And then he had another great season, and I thought, well, they don't know what they think they know. And now this, uh, he signs with the Yankees and gets himself. I feel good for him that he got that money. And I don't think the Yankees, I think he's going to be okay. I think he'll come back, and he's an impactful picture when he's available. He's he's his own closer. You know, he really kind of comes out pitching and pitching, and then as the game goes on, he starts really warming up and throwing some heat, and then he ends up kind of getting a, eating a lot of innings by being a different pitcher than he was to start the game. And, you know, you never give up on a left-hander in Major League Baseball. He's going to be all right. Well, I definitely don't feel bad for Carlos Rodon. I mean, he's got $162 million guaranteed whether You've he throws in. Him. Well, no, he's David, not, You've I, never liked him. But I, we're, you're going to get your turn, of course, because I'm you sorry. were ready to, I and in. I was going to lead you into this, but you wanted the Cubs to give him this deal, and here is exactly why you don't give him this deal. You, you, you were spending $100 million of Tom Ricketts' money on Carlos Rodon, and that's what you get. You get a guy who, because he's just – so Man. animated and so Man, angry. Are you mean? Okay, so go ahead. Good, good for. I, I don't feel bad for the Yankees. I certainly don't feel bad for Carlos Rodon. Good for him. I'm happy that he got paid. I'm happy that he used the White Sox as motivation to have a couple of pretty good years with the Giants, and he got paid. But this is this is why teams, other teams, in this city weren't willing to invest uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in this guy. My favorite Sox pitcher since Burley. Love the way he competes. I hated I Burley's hate, Burley's everyone's favorite I know. Sox pitcher ever. I'm just saying. I know. Since I just, Burley. I just wanted to it's say. It's Rodon for me. You just made me happy mentioning Burley, that's all. And Hall of Famer. I, I didn't I hated the way they let him leave. And I and I loved reading that story from Green Steve Greenberg in the Sun Times this morning about how it was a slap in the face when they non tendered him and he'd use that as motivation because I love those kind of stories. And Carlos Rodon did. I hope he's okay. You're right, Dustin. I'll grant you that. The injury concerns are real, and I understand why teams would stay away. I also think the Yankees uh, maybe overspent for him, but they can do that. Now he's in a position where I hope this is just a blip. I hope it's not a long-term thing. It does raise your concern level, perhaps, but I feel worse for the Yankees than I do Carlos Rodon. He is He's our guaranteed contracts. He's going to be a rich man. I just hope he comes back and it's all fine. I would have made the $100 million mistake. You're right. I would have. It wouldn't have been a mistake. But, see, I would have felt good about him in my rotation. The Yankees signed him for October, Dustin. Yes. And I don't know if you've looked at the calendar lately, but it's March 10th. So I'm not going to overreact to this being a bad deal for the Yankees. October is not next month, Dustin. I know. Sounds like you guys are getting loud about it. No, we're just Sorry. Meters in here are getting a little close to red. Ride those mics, Brandon. You, you, you triggered me again. Oh, you tried to. You well, you triggered me, me you when you wanted me. the Cubs to give him a hundred million dollars. This will be a pick six. There's your ball game. How closely will you monitor or watch today's first Cubs White Sox game in Arizona? You'll hear it here on the Score One Fifty Five. Pat and Ron on the call. Who are you most interested in seeing? Would the Sox get any satisfaction in stopping the Cubs' win streak? Does Nick Madrigal get extra pumped for these games? <laughs> is, he, is he starting at third base and leading off for the Cubs? I think that the Cubs' winning streak at nine after winning yesterday is yeah. a big deal. Thank you, Tim. I think that their success 
is nothing to dismiss because it's spring training. It's it, they they've got to use it in a way that is is positive, and I think that's the challenge today. It's going to be fun to see the Sox and the Cubs. We talk about these guys all year long. It's fun to see them on the same field competing against each other. I'm curious, isn't Newt Lucas Giolito going for the Sox? Yes, he is. Anytime that he uh, seems to be working on something, and it seems like he's always working on something, I'm curious to see how he approaches it. I'm also curious to see him in action with the slim down frame because that's a lot of weight to lose. This is not just a guy. Last year he did look kind of unnatural, bulked up. Maybe he'll look more like himself are, today. Are you looking forward to hearing him talk about Clevenger's start tomorrow? I'm looking forward to not only Lucas Giolito's first postgame comments, but him coming back and walking back whatever he said then on the second time around. That's what I'm looking forward to today as much as anything. I, I can't wait. I, I can't wait for 155. It, it can't come fast enough for multiple reasons, but I, I love Cub Sox. I, I always have. I always will. I always get up for it. Um we talked to Caleb Killian yesterday on the Fly the W podcast and talked he's going to be in the game. He's pitching the 7th, 8th, and ninth today in that game. That's that's the plan right now. And he kind of just, it's a game. I approach it as just a game. He, he I couldn't get him to buy in. I was a little disappointed that he wasn't. The Cubs uh, never do, does uh, Yeah, they don't. You're right. Um, so I'll be curious to see the lineup. Let's put it this way. The White Sox played absolutely nobody yesterday against Team Columbia and lost 5-4. to four. Um, and that's why, David, that the Cubs are actually not on a nine-game winning streak. They're on an eight-game Cactus League winning streak. Yeah, nine-game winning streak if you count the victory over Canada, and we then do. Then you can't. If we're counting the other exhibition games, we count all the exhibition games. Canada matters. Yeah. yeah. Why are you so disrespectful to our northern neighbors? Um, I am very, very excited at the idea of Cubs Sox. Not, not so much as... I'm not sure I'm going to watch it instead of the um, the college uh, games live, but I will uh, record it and make sure I watch it before my evening is out. Dustin, you sound like oh, you're look. you're going to get in your well, cups at 1:45 and watch. This. No, that's a little too early. I got to you know I got kids I got to pick up from school. Michigan State, Ohio like State. That. That's that's less appealing than Cub Sox. That's the that's the game is head to head against. Yeah, Alabama, Mississippi State. Yeah. yeah. Houston, East Carolina. Ooh, Houston, East Carolina. Um, Fire yeah, up that DVR, Molly. I, I, you know, I got a lot to do. I got a whole life to live. But I will be devoting myself for a period of my time to Cub Sox, and I always enjoy it. And uh, I, I can reveal now to you, Mr. Dustin, that I am going to be going to the final two spring training games of the year, which are Sox at Cubs Whoa. in Mesa, Arizona. Oh, well, they and, don't do that thing. Now, Remember, they used to go to Vegas right before, like they yes. go from Arizona wait, 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 to Vegas. Wait, wait, I'm dates? denied that. What, what dates are these? I don't know. I've got to find the dates so I can give them to Mitch and let him know. <laughs> I mean, this is news to me. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I won't be going. But the plan is to take advantage of a little spring break. The problem is really hard to get there, so um, we're going to have to fly to someplace. Covered wagon. And, yeah, okay. Oregon Trail, basically. And hopefully we don't have to, you know, eat any settlers in order to get through that horrible. Well, it's a good thing you're outdoorsy then. (laughs) Yeah, you know me. Uh, You know, not only that, I'm going to some national park in Again, I'm not making the trip, (laughs) but I will be going to the games. We're going to some national park uh, 
I, I can't think of the name of it. It's like a cactus national park, Dustin. Giant cactus. Um, I'll take a photo of me hugging one. Because I know that's what you want me to do, you son of a... What? How dare... Go hug a cactus, Molly. <laughs> Willingly. All right. We got the extra point next. It's Molly and Haw on the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Molly and Haw on 670 The Score. Happy birthday, Zach Levine, turning 28 years young today. Since the All-Star break, Zach has averaged nearly 30 points a game. Every stat shows he's been efficient as he's been explosive. Two-part question, will Zach Levine be the best player on the Bulls when they finally win a playoff series? And in honor of the 28th birthday, is he among the NBA's 28 best players? Wow. Happy birthday, Zach Levine, first of all. And he has been celebrating all month. He's had a great month. In the month of March, you just look at alone, he's averaging 34 points a game, 57% from the field, 55 from three-point range. He's played hard, he's played intelligently, and he has been the impact guy we've all been waiting to see. And frankly, since the All-Star break, he's been that guy. I don't know, though, if he's among the top 28. Let's start there. I don't think that when you look at some of these lists, I don't think he's as low as 47, where CBS Sports had him ranked at the end of February just a couple weeks ago when they were ranking their top 50 uh, players in the league. He started the season 26th on their list, somewhere in between, probably between 30 and 40. Uh, Will he be the best player on the Bulls? Will he be the focal point when they finally do win a series? Well, since they aren't going to win a playoff series this year, I don't believe. Then the soonest that could happen is next year or the year after that. I do think he will be. I do think he's ready to take off and continue to play at this level. He's healthy. Remember back when uh, the first couple games of the season, we were worried about back-to-backs and his durability and his his commitment level and all that stuff. Well, you know what? He's played in 62 or 64 games. That's great. That's great for a star player to be, with his history, to be that available. So I give him credit for that as well. I think he's really stepped up, and I think he gets a lot of criticism that isn't always justified or warranted. So I will uh, think that he will be the best player on a Bulls team when they finally win a playoff series. And I do. I've got I've got a lot of time for Zach Levine. I think he's somewhat um, unfairly maligned sometimes, and, and I like the way that he has made progress this year. Unfairly maligned? Yeah, I Because do. of the contract, right? Is that, is that the Definitely. reason? I think that he raised expectations and – and some people are looking at only that and not and kind of ignoring the progress he's made. Now, now based on the contract, he should be one of the twenty-eight best players in the NBA, right? That that mm-hmm. that's that's a no doubt. Yep, there's no doubt about that. But I do want to give him credit. He has stayed healthy. He's played at a high level. Um, he's just he's not a finisher. I just think he's a guy who gets a lot of stats. Um, I don't think he's the guy when the Bulls finally win a playoff series. I, I think they're a long way off. I, I think, unfortunately, DeMar DeRozan is – we're seeing the end of him. I think he's just run out of gas. You can't you can't beat father time. There, there's a stat out there about Zach Levine, and, and maybe it's part of bad luck or with the teams that he has played on. But amongst NBA players who have played 500 games or more, he's the, he's the biggest loser. His teams have lost more games, winning, you know, losing percentage than any other player in the NBA. I know. So, I have an answer to that, but yeah, I mean, here's the deal: he was he was playing for absolute garbage teams for the majority of his career. I 
Zach Levine has been on an unbelievable roll over the last 16 games. He's just gone crazy, and he's averaging like 27 points a game, 27.8 on 53.5 shooting in that stretch, and uh, and a lot of it is being done at the rim. He is he's got his his hops back. He's healthy, and he's attacking the rim. And he was nine for nine uh, inside against uh, uh, against Denver when they won that game. He's he's an exceptional player, and he's the kind of guy that the minute you uh, you get rid of him, you're like, well, we got to get a guy like this. I, I mean, thank you. It, that he's a That's really exactly good how. player, and I think it's crazy to think any other way. And you know, in terms of. Other guys or guys with age on or whatever, this is him right in the wheelhouse of how good he's going to be. So I would uh, I would build around him and try to use him as the centerpiece. And he, you know, I get it. He started the season poorly. Everybody was down on it. I think it was related to the surgery. And then when when things went awry, who did everyone go after? Well, the guy that's making all the money because it's effectively his team and he's got to play well enough to earn all that money. I think over the last 16 games, he's certainly done that. Two quick points. Number one, for him to take that next step so he is a top 20 player, I think he's got to shoot the three more consistently. I agree. And more often. Yeah, more often. That's the element of his game maybe that he can complete and round out that picture and be the superstar that he is capable of being. He's still a fairly young man, 28 today. The other thing, Dustin, is that I understand that stat is out there. I think it's terribly unfair. I think you look at comparing sports. Let's look at Matthew Stafford as an example. He was on a lot of bad Lions teams. He was accused of being a stat guy and had good numbers on a bad team for years. Look what happened when he had a change of scenery and a change of team on a good team surrounded by talent. Matthew Stafford is a Super Bowl champion. He's won as many Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers. So I think it all, all always depends, and maybe that's not the best comparison because of it's a different sport, but – it's about your team around you, and that you're not always capable of changing everything about the narrative. So I think that you got to factor that in when you pull out that stat. It's just me, though. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Haw on the score. You know, they go to, uh, you know, booty ball, and, uh, you know, it's really, really hard to guard. And, uh, you know, when you can keep the possession of the ball for 12, 13 seconds, 10 seconds, and just keep backing up and you have no recourse in how you guard it because you can't touch them, um, it becomes very challenging. And, and uh, if you double, he sprays it. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Yeah, that is Brad uh, Underwood postgame uh, talking about uh, – Penn State, how they play booty ball. Penn State did what they needed to do. They, they, they were more, I think, uh, intelligent with the basketball. They played a better half-court game. And Illinois, they couldn't hit the three. They took some questionable shots. And they lost a game they felt like they should have won. Now, it helped that Penn State did hit six of 13 threes in the second half. Illinois, not so good. Six of twenty-one from behind the arc, and you just you you look at their inability early to get going and their willingness to keep trying, and it's just a frustrating team to watch. And then when they don't keep Penn State 
you know, when they don't hit the offensive glass to the degree they typically do, they're going to be a team that's, uh, you know, looks like they're disjointed. And they were yesterday. So we don't get the Northwestern Illinois matchup that people in town were waiting for. We get Northwestern Penn State. And to me, that's good news for the Wildcats. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's bad news. I think it's good news for, how would I put it, for those of us that kind of are monitoring both teams and don't really have a horse in the race. You know what I mean? I follow Illinois basketball because they're the state university, because I've followed them for a really long time. And there are different points where they're really good and different points where they're not, but they're always of interest to me. And Northwestern, that is Chicago's Big Ten team, right? We follow, uh, you know, we know Doug Collins, Chris Collins. I just think it's, it's, there's like a lot of local connections with the program, and you just monitor them. So it's two teams that I, I want individually to win, and it's kind of weird when they play each other. Well, to me, like it's it. even less than that. I, I think that those are good points. I just like Northwestern this season, this tournament, it's a better story. It's a better story because Chris Collins on the verge of getting fired a year ago this month. Yeah. We were wondering about his future. I'm sure he was too. Jim Phillips leaves. His security blanket is gone. It's a new athletic director. And even though he has a contract extension, what do those really mean? Contract extensions are basically just to let coaches know how much they're going to be owed with at the point you fire them. (laughs) Right. That's their legal issues, their their papers. I don't know that the commitment to Chris Collins was as much last summer after Jim Phillips left or after a bad season and, and Jim Phillips was gone as, as previously he felt maybe that comfort zone and felt really good about everything. So I like the story better. Illinois, hard to watch for me just because we don't consume a lot of Illinois basketball, I'm not going to pretend to watch every game, but it seems the consistent factor with them is they really don't have great shot selection and they're inconsistent with their their compete level. And then they have a team that, you know, is going to get into the NCAA tournament, but how much do you believe in them? Streaky team. Yeah, I don't think that – I think both teams are in the NCAA tournament, so that makes me happy. I I, I find – when I watch teams that I like play each other, I, I go back and forth for different reasons. I agree with what you're saying about Chris Collins. But how about Brad Underwood? How about the fact that, that he kind of had to redo his team on the fly, got a couple guys in from Baylor, got a guy uh, transferring from, what was it, New Mexico State, and now all of a sudden they're back in the tournament and they're a different team. And and you're right. You know, they're, they're, they are infuriating at times. They're not – you know, because he hasn't had them their whole career, he's not fitting everybody in in the same fashion. And I get it. There's times when that can be frustrated. We know he was frustrated uh, during the year over that you, kind of stuff. You'd never wonder what he's thinking. No, no. <laughs> or no, feeling. he's very expressive. Yes. And I look forward to talking to him, and, and uh, I look forward to seeing where they're going to play in the tournament. Um, but but I, I think – the Northwestern story is a really good story because of exactly what you said. You know, not only did Chris Collins look like he was in trouble, but two of their best players transferred out. So you just thought, oh, man, that is a pity. And did you see the the um, 
you know, the the guy, the Southern Illinois coach that that, that he brought in, Chris Lowry. Chris Lowry won the assistant. Yeah, the year. well, he's a big impact, big addition. impact guy, no question. And that's what I like about that staff. They yes. have experienced Brian James still around. You right. have a guy like Chris Collins who learned from his. He he was the first to acknowledge when he was talking about winning the Big Ten Coach of the Year what he learned after dropping off when they went to the NCAA NCAA tournament in 2017 and then taking the foot off the gas and relaxing and complacency setting in. That's pretty hard for a guy to acknowledge, especially, you know, we we talked the other day. Chris Collins got the Big Ten Coach of the Year because he revived a program that he let slide. (laughs) A lot of times it's the reclamation project uh, and cleaning up somebody else's mess. Yeah. Chris Collins was doing, you know, cleaning up his own. Well, to a large they, degree, they were picked for like last place in the in the conference, and they 13th. finished second. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty extraordinary. Well, but again, it's because why were they picked thirteenth? Because they didn't have a lot of confidence that this coach was going to be able to do anything with the program any longer, and he was on his way out, and now he's on his way back, and so Northwestern is a better story. I think they're overall a better team because they have dependable, reliable guards in the backcourt, and that is the way you like to go into March, having experienced guards carry you as far as you're going to go. You've got to have the guards. That That is one of the big things. Normally I like teams with kind of senior guards, but you got to have guards, period, end of story, in the NCAA tournament because you got to put games together, and it's really hard to do that, as anyone who follows the Bulls can tell you if you don't have good guard play and you don't control pace of game and et cetera. I hope they're playing on Sunday. I, I hope that it would be great to see uh, Purdue Northwestern. It, I, I don't know that it's going to be that matchup. Uh, the best uh, matchup maybe from the league perspective, from a, a sizzle standpoint, the attraction would be IU-Purdue. I, that that would be a great rematch because of the, how close those two games have mm-hmm. been this season. Yeah, but it would be it would be great for the program. It'd be great for Chicago if Northwestern wins today, again tomorrow, and then plays for the Big Ten title on Sunday, and then sits there and waits for you know with everybody else to find out where they're going to be playing uh, next week in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio six seven in the score.